Well, I'm glad that you all are here today. If you haven't met me and I haven't met you yet, I would like to meet you if you're newer here. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're joining us online, welcome to you as well. We've got people who watch and participate from so many different places. And we are all thankful that we get to come together and worship God at Connection Christian Church. So uh, two things that I never thought in the real world I would see come together came together last summer and advertisements splashed all over social media. We're talking Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. Dr. Charles Stanley, CBD gummy bears. If you don't know who Pastor Charles Stanley is, that's uh, Pastor Andy Stanley's dad, Pastor Emeritus of First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, one of the most dignified people I can ever remember hearing about. And they've got him promoting CBD gummy bears all over the internet, which is funny to me, but maybe you don't think it's funny because you think that's not appropriate. And he didn't think it was appropriate either. And so no surprise here, it was actually false advertising. There really was a company creating CBD gummy bears but the promotional uh, endorsements from people like Charles Stanley and Oprah Winfrey and Tom Cruise were not real. It's a big shocker there, right? But Pastor Stanley had so many people coming up to him saying, Pastor Stanley, is this what you're doing in retirement? Are you really promoting marijuana? Is this how, are you okay with it? Pastor Stanley's probably never come within 50 feet of marijuana. But he finally on his TV broadcast had to come out and just say, look, I'm not promoting CBD gummy bears, but this is life in 2022, right? This is where our culture is at. When I was a kid, the question of should a Christian use marijuana rarely came up. And if I were to ask or someone was to ask it, hey, can a Christian smoke marijuana? Is that okay? No. Well, why? Why would you ask that? Well, I'm just asking. So can you t- well, it's illegal, okay? So end of story. And I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I don't know when you grew up, but that, the world I grew up in, the discussion was cut off immediately for a Christian by, no, it's illegal. No need to think deeply about it. No need to study the Bible. No need to have discussions about it. You just can't smoke marijuana because it's against the law. So that was, in fact... When I was growing up, were there people who smoked pot? (laughs) Absolutely. But there was just a consensus among everyone in general that you weren't supposed to do that. It puts you in the counterculture to to smoke pot and to, to be a part of that. I still remember I was a kid and a few of us cousins were, I don't know, heading somewhere, maybe the swimming pool. We were in the care of our much older and wiser middle school cousin and she was taking us to the, wherever it was. As we were walking down the street, we're like little ducklings following her. She immediately, she turned around with a panic look on her face and said, don't look. And so did I look? Oh yeah, I looked. Ahead of us was a group of teenagers, like high school kids sitting on a retaining wall. I think it was even across from the school. And what I saw first was just a group of really skinny kids wearing baggy t-shirts and giggling. But as we start to walk by them looking, I see a Ziploc bag with something that looks like it came out of mom's spice cabinet. And I saw rolling papers for cigarettes and I saw a lighter. And in that moment, oh, I'm sure my eyes got really big and my mouth got really big. They're smoking pot, they're smoking right here. The transformation that took place in my mind was immediate. Those skinny, giggling high school kids immediately transformed into hardened hell's angels, straight out of cell block C, because it's, you're not supposed to do that. And here they are doing it in front of a school and in front of little kids. And so that's just kind of the perspective that we've had. That's the perspective I grew up with. Maybe it's the perspective you grew up with. I don't know. I'd love to hear your story later. But it was just a really a, a cultural sense that, well, it, it's not legal, so don't do it. Except that's not really the case anymore, is it? 
marijuana is only illegal in four states. There's another 27 states where it's kind of legal. They've decriminalized it, and you can use it for medical uses and CBD and so forth. And what is it, another 19 states? Whatever you want. Recreational, sure, you want to smoke, whatever. And so it's become a situation where our culture has shifted over time where you can't just say, should a Christian enjoy or smoke marijuana? Well, you can't just say it's illegal, so you can't do it anymore. It's a different scenario now, so we do actually need to think about it. I mean, and I'm not trying to judge anyone, so if you're coming to church like, how did he know? I'm not looking at anybody. (laughs) My experience, like uh, when I go running at night, and we live in a nice place, nice area. St. Charles County overall is a nice place, right? But like every other house I go by, it smells like a skunk has died, you know? A whole new term, like a runner's high. It's like a, a different meaning. So I'm not judging, but I think that this is something we ought to talk about. And Connection is a church where we do talk about things and we're willing to have conversations. And so in this series, it's legal, right? We're just doing that. We're saying there are some things that are culturally acceptable. There are some things that are even legal, but are they appropriate for a Christian? And we just want to have these conversations. We want to start conversations. We want to actually delve and, uh, into the Bible and, and deeply. We want to be prayerful about this. Uh, we want to just have good, open conversations with each other where we think about how do we help each other grow closer to God. And we're applying the wisdom of the Bible to different things because what we know as a follower of Jesus is, and brought this out last week, we live at a higher standard than simply what's legal. You know, Jesus calls us to a better life. And sometimes that means that you say no to things that other people think are fine. And so we just want to look at today, this topic in terms of that. And if, um, if you just have other questions about things, I just wanted to talk about this really quickly. As I said, we, we really do like to talk about different things that people have questions about. Maybe you can't find the exact word in the Bible uh, about something. If you go back to our message archive at connectionchristian.org, you just go to the media library, like watch messages. If you type in there, just asking for a friend, more asking for a friend, elephant in the room, there'd be like, uh, I don't know, 40 or 50 different messages that we've talked about different things from, you know, can a person be demon possessed to, to, you know, what about cremation to, you know, just any topic you can think of, we may have talked about it. So you can go back and look there. And if you find that you can't find any information about it, just ask and put your hand up in the air and ask. So we talk about uh, Christians and marijuana, a book that's been very helpful to me. And I would, if you like to take a deeper dive, it's called Cannabis and the Christian. It's by Todd Miles. Todd's an elder in his church out in Washington State. And he had just, because of legalization there, he had lots of questions from people in his church who were using but didn't know if they should or people who had questions about whether it was appropriate. So he just uh, did a lot of study himself and wrote a great book. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on ChristianBook.com. Interesting little thing. Christian Book has been around for a long time. It used to be called CBD.com, ChristianBookDistributors.com. They, uh, for obvious reasons, had to, they sold that name, I think, to somebody a few years ago. But it's a good book. Legal or not, what we're seeing is an ever-increasing number of people who do use marijuana. It's become uh, a, something that just there's greater access. There are fewer restrictions with the illegality being taken away from it, some of the stigma being taken away from it. And what we're finding is when it's available and there aren't restrictions, people will use it. Uh, Todd Miles points out in 2019 uh, that the age group of men from the age of 19 to the age of 30, 50% used marijuana at least once a year. I don't know how that sits with your own experience or your own habits or whatever. And just about the same for women, same age group, about 40%. And here's what I found fascinating. Same age group, 12% of men once a day or weekly. 
and still pretty high for women. It looks like one out of 10 guys who are in that age group are using pot at least one, you know, daily. So what I'm saying is, I think this is relevant. I think we should talk about it. And uh, not surprisingly, the pandemic has had a lot to do with some of our attitudes towards marijuana. Because when people are stressed, when people are fearful, when people are anxious, what do they turn to? Healthy choices like talk to my family, talk to a counselor, go to church and pray, exercise. Or do they turn to too much Netflix, too much eating, too much drinking, too much substances, abusing the prescription meds, watching porn? You know the answer to that. So do you think those stats from 2019 where it's like 50% of the guys in their 20s, do you think that number has gone down or up? And then you broaden out to all the age groups. I just think we're seeing a lot more people. Here's what I've just observed in my lifetime. So if there's a spectrum here, there was a counterculture that said, yes, it's okay. But the majority culture said, no, it's not okay. But over time, what's happened is now the minority says, I don't think this is appropriate ever. And the majority of our culture says, yeah, we think it's okay. Or we just don't care. Live and let live. Do whatever you, you know, what's best for you. So I think we should be talking about this because we do want to talk about what's the standard for us. Uh, because it's just not going to go away. And if you are of the opinion that this is something that hurts people, we need to talk about it. If you're of the opinion this is a blessing from God, we still ought to talk about that and challenge ourselves. I think it's fair to say what's been unacceptable it has become mainstream. And so, I don't know what you think, but you can tell me anything, and we won't judge. And I, I, I would be very open to hearing where I got things wrong today. But uh, as we walk through this, I do want to turn to the Bible. In fact, last week we gave a guide, guide work or a framework to th just to think about. If the Bible doesn't literally talk about something, how do you figure out what you should do? I want to use that framework today as we walk through the question of, is it appropriate for a Christian to be involved with marijuana? And the first question that I brought out last week is it's this very simple one. You should ask this all the time. What does Jesus say? Or what does the Bible say? In terms of marijuana, what does the Bible say about marijuana? This is interesting. Did you, the word marijuana is not in the Bible. There are no Bible verses about smoking pot explicitly. And you can Google it. You can check me on that. I mean, maybe you think there should be, but it's not in there. And then, as I said last week, does that give us a green light? I don't know. If you think that marijuana is a gift from God, you might actually point to one of the verses in the very beginning of the Bible. This is Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. It says, and this is the beginning of the creation. God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came. And that's what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced the plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw it was good. And you might say, well, see there, Brian? The Bible says that God created the plants, and he created the seeds, and he created marijuana, and he said it was good. Yeah. He also created poison hemlock. You, you want some? <laughs> God made uh, poppies from which we get heroin. He made the coca plant from which the leaves we derive cocaine. God made the peyote cactus. God made grapes from which we make wine. He made grain from which we make alcohol. He made a lot of things. I, uh, let's just go ahead and go on record. Genesis is pretty clear. If you're looking at a plant, God made it, and God said it is good. That may be challenging for some of us, but that's what the scripture says. Now, we have to start there. Let's acknowledge God made the marijuana plant, and he said it was good. 
However, is it not also true that of, as with many of the good things that God gave us, is it not possible to take something good and misuse it? Absolutely. So that's just kind of my starting point. What does the scripture say? And I think it's fair to say that there are many benefits that are non-intoxicating from the marijuana plant. For example, hemp is a variant of the marijuana plant. It's been a cash crop in the United States for 400 years. Uh, maybe you all knew that. I was kind of new to the table here on this one. Uh, hemp, they use it to make rope and paper and clothing. Little known fact, two of our earliest presidents, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, grew hemp on their plantations. It's a non-intoxicating plant. It's used for so many good things. And uh, so you think, and CBD, I didn't know this, is made from the seeds of the, the hemp plant. And CBD is uh, non-intoxicating, so it's, it's one of those things where there are some things where people say, well, CBD has been very helpful to me medically, so maybe that's you. Uh, this is probably a good time for me to go ahead and point out the difference between CBD and THC. Uh, this is about as scientific as I get, because I'm really out of my league when I'm talking here. Some of you who are more scientific-minded or work in that field can correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that the CBD, if it's properly made, doesn't have any um, intoxicating effects. It's just, uh, if it's made properly, it's not going to get you high any more than wearing hemp pants from, you know, Eddie Bauer. It's just not supposed to, be. I'm not saying that it's made properly. I'm not, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, is it, you know, impure sometimes from the places you would get it. And I'm not a doctor, so I'm not advising you to use it, but there are just some people who feel like there are some benefits from this. When I talk about um, CBD, I've noticed that like the FDA has already approved it for two, treat me, treating two different kinds of epilepsy. It's being studied for use against uh, Parkinson's disease and MS. I don't know where that's all going to end up. I just know that it's a plant. We derive a lot of medicines from plants. We shouldn't just shun it just because of what uh, some people maybe have done with it. So another thing I look at this, uh, when we talk about, you know, should a Christian in use marijuana, I'm really talking about the THC, the stuff that does get you high. And um, the interesting thing about marijuana in that aspect is that it is not just a depressant but it is a stimulant and a depressant, which makes it very interesting in the impact that it has on you and on your body. And so one of the big objections to marijuana, and I get this one, is that marijuana can have an intoxicating effect on a person. Now, when we say, well, what does the Bible say about marijuana? Nothing explicitly about marijuana, but it has a lot to say about intoxication. And we probably ought to look at that in terms of what marijuana does to you. Uh, so we have some clear teaching, like from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, explicitly written to Christians. It says, don't be drunk with wine, for that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't think it's a stretch to take it and say, well, he said don't get drunk from wine, but that obviously would include beer, that might include marijuana as well. Just think with me for a second. How many relationships have been marred, and somebody had to come back and say, I'm sorry I said what I said when I was drunk. How many times have you had to go back and ask somebody to erase a picture from social media? I hope maybe you haven't, but maybe you had. Like, can you take that picture down from social media? I was drunk at the time. I don't, it's embarrassing. I don't want anybody to see that. So many things happen when we're intoxicated that probably shouldn't happen. And yeah, there are some Bible verses that speak to the blessing of alcohol that God maybe gave it as a gift to the world, but there are also a whole lot of verses that talk about and warn us against the problems of intoxication. Like the Apostle Peter talks about this in a letter that he wrote, and it's in 1 Peter chapter 4, and he's writing to newer Christians. And I don't know, but maybe Peter earlier in his life had some rough living as well. And he said, you've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Immorality, lust, feasting, drunkenness, wild parties. 
a terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. But remember, they'll have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both living and dead. And so it's just really clear, scripturally, there is a line that is a do not cross line, and it is intoxication. As a Christian, why is that? What's wrong with intoxication? You're not yourself once you've got these brain chemicals working, once you're inhibited in that way. Because the scripture calls on a Christian to be sober-minded, self-controlled, Holy Spirit-controlled. And you can't do that when you're controlled by a substance. So can we compare alcohol use to marijuana use? My opinion is you can kind of correlate some of that because you certainly don't want somebody on the job site running heavy equipment. You don't want somebody maybe driving. You don't want somebody to be impaired when they're getting ready to do surgery on you. You don't want to see your pilot of your flight walking out of a hazy lounge and go, hey, I'm your pilot. Anybody got snacks? I got a need to get a different plane right now. So, right, there's, there's a level that you just don't feel comfortable with. And you say, I just don't know that, and, and scripturally speaking, we got to say, is there a time and a place where it's appropriate for a Christian to be intoxicated to that level where you're no longer in control of yourself? So if, if you're considering using marijuana, or if you already do, just some questions that you would want to ask yourself are, can I honor God while using marijuana? Can I remain safe while using marijuana? Can I put myself in a situation where I won't embarrass myself or other people or do things that, I, that go against my morals or my standards as a Christian while I'm using marijuana? These are just things that you need to ask yourself. Can you make good God-honoring decisions while you're using? And that's just one of the questions that I've got. It's one of our guiding, it's a really important one. But, but here's another question that you should ask yourself in regard to this. What does wisdom say about using marijuana? It's a question that we would want to ask about anything that we engage in. Some things aren't wrong, but they're not a good idea either. Now, last week we were looking at 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul wrote to the church there because they had some questions just about how do we live with this freedom that Christ has given me? And you just got to know some of the people in that church in the city of Corinth in Greece, they came out of some pretty messy backgrounds. So when they became a Christian, they, God had a lot of cleaning up to do with them. But then there were a lot of people in the church too who came out from pretty strict upbringings. And so they had to learn that God's given them some freedom. But they had questions about stuff and Paul wrote them back and, and just a couple of guidelines that he gave them I find so helpful. 1 Corinthians 10.23, Paul said, you say I'm allowed to do anything but not everything's good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything's beneficial. And then back in 1 Corinthians 6, he uses the same logic to answer a different question, where he says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. It's legal, right? Yeah, but not everything's good for you. And even though, quote unquote, I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So the first principle of wisdom says, look, not everything's beneficial or good for you. There might not be a sin involved here, but maybe it's not the best thing for your life and you should just say no to it. Uh, I think about marijuana just in terms of wisdom and health, and I, I don't want personally to do anything that impacts my health, so it's just a question that I would ask. And the American Lung Association says that you can have damage to your lungs from smoking marijuana like you could with cigarettes. Uh, you open yourself up to bronchitis. Uh, an immunocompromised person can have more infections. Uh, some of the impact can be a little bit harder because sometimes I'm told when people smoke marijuana, they want to hold it longer to get more impact from it. So you might hold it in your lungs longer than you would with, to would with tobacco smoke. So there's that. Uh, another factor here that gives me pause are the number of studies that point out there is a link between smoking marijuana and uh, psychotic disorders, self-harm, and violent behavior. 
which I had to go back and look at that myself and look at some of the studies in peer-reviewed journals because I'm like, this doesn't sound right. You know the stereotypical person who smokes marijuana is just super chill, right? So psychotic-ish episodes. And, but 10% of the population, maybe based on genetics, we don't know why, but some people do get violent when they smoke marijuana. And you go, 10%? That's not much, right? One out of 10, wisdom just asks the question, is that risk worth it? Just considering my genetic background, my makeup, am I a person who's maybe addictive prone? Is this something I should do? And I want to talk right now, um, this is just to me, this is a clear cut. I'm trying to be balanced and nuanced, but if you are a teenager right now, I'm sorry, I'm about to punch you in the face, but you have no business using marijuana because your brain is not fully developed and it has such a profound impact on an undeveloped brain. You need to get into your 20s before that thing's all fully, I almost said baked, but that's the wrong word to use in this. <laughs> <laughs> fully developed, fully mature. So a teenager, I've been one, I just know, we don't think about things all the way through when we're teens. We, we just think we're going to live forever, and our brain is part of the reason for that. And you are so susceptible to addiction. You're like six months, you can be a full-blown alcoholic because your brain is just wired at that point for addiction. And as a teenager, this is the thing that shocked me. You can do permanent damage to your IQ that you may never get back. I'm not saying that for an adult, but as a kid, do you really have some extra IQ points laying around that you just feel like you can just give up? And it lowers your uh, ambition levels that you may never get that back either. So to me, this is just an easy one. If I'm a teenager, I'm just going to go, right now in my life, maybe it's appropriate later, maybe not, but right now this is a no-fly zone because it's just going to be too damaging. It's just a wise thing to do would just be say no to this, come back to it later. If you're a parent, and teenagers, you're not going to like this, but as a parent, Put the hard restrictions in place with your kids. I've been doing this a long time. I've seen so many kids who are furious with their parents, just swearing maybe at their parents, and come back to be adults who thank their parents for putting those restrictions in place. You just don't know everything. You think you do, and you do know a lot. I'm not trying to put you down, but there's some things you just can't know until you get to the other side of it. And the people who are around you who are older are just going, man, I wish somebody could have told younger me not to do this. You make all the dumb decisions before you know any better. So that's wisdom just says, I'm going to ask people who are a little further down the trail what I should do with this. And here's another thing. You know, Paul said, you know, everything's legal, right? But not everything. I don't want to be a slave to anything. Wisdom says, uh, is this an addicted kind of thing? I don't want to be enslaved by anything. And the research on marijuana is that it can be addicting, which is, again, I was shocked by that. I just thought marijuana is one of the substances you don't get addicted to. But the statistics are like 9% of adults and 17% of teenagers do become addicted to marijuana. And again, like that's one out of 10. I don't know that I'd want to take that chance. It's, you got to, at the end of the day, stand before the Lord and answer for your choices with the body he gave you and the life he gave you. But to me, it just doesn't seem like it'd be a wise thing to do. So there's another question to consider, though, beyond is it wise and what does Jesus have to say? And this one's more personal. What does your own conscience say about marijuana? Now, it's between you and the Lord here, and it's your own conscience. I don't know if maybe you are of the opinion that it's okay to partake, and you can do this with a clear conscience. In my experience, as I've talked to people who just want to talk to a pastor, sometimes people use in spite of their conscience. Just kind of ignore it because they feel like this is what they have to do at this moment. You know, we all do that. We find reasons to justify what we think we need to do or want to do. 
So the Bible's got some great advice here. Again, it's from the Apostle Paul. He was writing to different Christians. He was writing to the Christians in the church at Rome. And he says this in Romans 14, 14. Let me find this. And he says, look, for himself, he says, I know and I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus, no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. So you can kind of get an idea of the question they're dealing with there. Some people in the church thought it was a sin to eat meat. Others were like, I'm eating the meat. So Paul says, like, I'm fine to eat the meat too. But if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person, it is wrong. I don't know if you ever heard that before. You go on down to verse 22. Paul elaborates a little more. He says, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. Okay, just keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they've decided is right. Verse 23 is important here too. If you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you're not following your own convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. This is really important because this is really, at the end of the day, about what's going on in your own heart. And it's very possible that your conscience is pinging you on something that you're ignoring. You never want to get to a place where you're ignoring your conscience. Now, I want to be clear. I don't put my conscience at the same level as what the Bible says or what the Holy Spirit would lead me to do. My conscience can be wrong. My conscience and your conscience is kind of like a window that lets the light shine through. So sometimes the window can be dusty. Sometimes the window can be blurry. And, you know, so your conscience needs maybe to sometimes be educated. Sometimes you think things are wrong that really aren't that wrong. Like, like the Christians in the church who thought it was wrong to eat meat. I think that they were wrong about that, but maybe in their own heart, at the end of the day, they're the ones who have to stand before the Lord with that conviction. And Paul's pretty clear. If you think something's wrong, it's wrong for you, even if technically it's not wrong. And we ought to be respectful of our own conscience. We should be respectful of each other's conscience. That's why I was talking about a communion time that we really want to accept one another because some people are in different places on different questions. And so if you're a person who is convinced of something, Paul says, my advice to you, if you're really good with God, just keep it between yourself and God. It's not worth offending the people around you over. If you think something's wrong, just don't do it. This is so important. Now, again, I want to be really clear today on a day like today, because I don't have a literal verse that says yes or no on something. I'm trying to help you think this through because I don't want to just stand here and be the shall answer man. And if you're under 30, you can Google what that is. But I'm not here to dispense and tell you what to do. Uh, I'm here to help pastor and guide you because at the end of the day, I have to stand before the Lord to answer to him about how I led you. You have to stand before the Lord to answer for how you use the body and the life and the resources that he gave you. So just become clear in your mind and your conscience about what he wants you to do. And I would just say this, maybe it's just my personality type, but if you're in doubt, I would say just don't. There's no, nothing bad. Like you're not going to get to the end of your life and regret, man, I really wish I'd smoke more pot. <laughs> it's okay to just sit this one out. And this is the last thing I want to talk about with the guideline that I think is most important other than the scripture. And that says, what does love say about using marijuana? And this is where you take into consideration how your behavior impacts the lives of the people around you. Love takes into consideration the impact that your behavior has on your relationship with God. And when we talk about love in the Christian context, we're talking about that self-sacrificing effort on behalf of someone else. That I will do what's in your best interest, even if it costs me. I will love you even if you don't love me back. And that's what we're talking about here. What does love say about using marijuana? 
And in your heart of hearts, you may be completely convinced this is a gift from God. And people use marijuana for lots of different reasons. I'm not judging for all the spectrum of things that there are, whether it be I just need a way to just turn that voice off in my head. I need to take the medicine that helps me not get sick when I take the other medicine. Whatever it is, the anxiety that just won't stop, the need to escape for a little while. I know people use marijuana for lots of different reasons. And you just need to be clear on, is this the loving thing to do? In, in the situation I am in my life, the people who are watching me, the influence that God has given me as a parent, is this the right time in my life? Is this the right place? As a leader, as a person who maybe is in an industry, that this is important to be safe. There's so many questions to filter this through, but all at the end of the day can really be summed up with love. In fact, if everybody loved perfectly, we wouldn't even really need the Bible's rules because love supersedes everything. And even I want to talk about just the love for yourself, the love for the body that God gave you and to say, what is the most loving thing in my life that I can do for myself? Back to Romans 14, Paul said in verse 15 and 16, if another believer is distressed by what you eat, and you can fill in the blank with anything else there, if another believer is distressed, you're not acting in love if you go ahead and do it, if you go ahead and eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died then you'll not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. I'm not your doctor. I'm not your counselor. You you talk to your doctor all day long about this stuff medically. Uh, But I am a pastor and I care about you. And I want to help lead you to things that are going to lead you to God. I don't want any of you to have known Jesus and yet grow cold to him because of something that came into your life that just really moved you away from him over time. I just want on the day that Christ returns every single one of you to stand before him and to be welcomed into eternal life. You're already part of it if you've said yes to Jesus. Let's just stay in it. Whatever you decide on this issue, we're still friends. I'm sure I've missed some things here. You can set me straight. We can have a great discussion about it. I just want you to know whatever we do here, we want to do it for the glory of God. We want to do it for love for him and love for each other. And when we'll be all right if we'll do that. Uh, I'd invite you to stand right now. We're, I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to continue worshiping. And I would invite you, as I'm just praying, that you would start having a conversation with God yourself about where it is that he wants you to go. What does he want you to do next? Maybe it's not this. Maybe is there something else in your life that he wants to talk to you about, and you kind of been pushing pause on it? Maybe today's the day to do it. Maybe for you today is the day that you just say, I need to get in with Jesus. And uh, I need to be part of his family. We would love for you to do that. We're here literally to help people get connected to God and each other through Jesus, to become his students, his followers. We've already got somebody who's going to be immersed into Christ today. I'd love to make it two, three, or five. So as we're singing this song, as this service closes out, you'd be thinking about what does God want me to do next? Uh, Let's pray. Father, thank you for the love that you have for us. Jesus, thank you for giving your life to die for us. Teach us to live in the fullness of the life that you give us. And it's such a full, complete life. And we uh, can't thank you enough for that. And things are hard here sometimes, Father, and we just sometimes don't know exactly what to do. Will you give us wisdom to make good choices? And will you give us the uh, grace to accept each other while we sort through all of these things? I'm so thankful for you and for this family, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.